You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. All right, well, this week, I'm excited to bring you... um, essentially a message that I, um, or a lesson that I taught the other night at our small groups at church. I thought it was a um, really good lesson. I really was helped by it as I was studying it. And so I thought, well, I'll just share this with the podcast audience and see how they like it as well. If you're new to the show, thank you for taking a ride here and listening with me for a little while, no matter what you're doing. Maybe you're driving down the road, maybe you're doing some laundry, doing some dishes, or uh, you know, working out, I don't know. Uh, but thank you for deciding to take just a little bit of your time to spend it with me. So we want to talk about... Um, the importance of believing true things. Now, when I, when I say that, and when I first, you know, wrote down the, the title for this lesson, I thought, well, you know, this, I don't know, this seems kind of obvious, right? I mean, um, definitely we should care about true things. We should want what we believe to be true. Doesn't any kind of rational person uh, want to believe that? And yet, uh, unfortunately, over the years, we've definitely seen a um, a growing commitment to ideas like relativism, where your truth is good for you and my truth is good for me. Uh, but as far as the objective truth, well, that maybe doesn't matter quite as as much, and um, or maybe it even doesn't exist. And this is a very dangerous way to live. And, you know, as uh, Dr. William Lane Craig likes to say, you know, nobody's a postmodernist or a relativist when it comes to the label on the medicine they're taking or even on the food that they're eating, right? They, they all, uh, you know, take it at face value. It's only when it comes to issues like religion and things of that nature, morals, where they become in this relativist mindset, in this subjectivist mindset. And so what I want to express here is that it's so important to believe true things across every area of your life, okay? Uh, It should be relatively uncontroversial, but again, in these days, it's not. So I want to just kind of work through some thoughts that I wrote down and um, really try to help you in this area First, though, I want to start with the story of a person you probably have read a little bit about, and if you haven't, then I highly recommend you do read a little bit about him. His name is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Now, Solzhenitsyn was born in 1918 in Russia, and he was arrested um, for sending letters to a friend of his. Again, these were, this was personal correspondence, and he was arrested for sending this personal correspondence Um to his friend, that was criticizing Joseph Stalin, okay? So again, born in communist Russia, he's criticizing Stalin in these personal letters written to his friend. The authorities get a hold of this letter and they rush him off to prison, okay? And he spends um, the, I guess, the majority of his life probably um, in prison camps and really getting sort of the inside 
of scoop on communism and socialism and, and seeing the fruits of these ideas and what some would call a sort of hard totalitarianism. Okay. And his main observation throughout that whole ordeal, now he wrote like a 2,400 page book uh, about this. It's an absolute masterpiece of literature. Actually, he won uh, the Nobel Prize for literature for this. And essentially what it walks through is this idea that the way that socialism and communism were able to flourish was through telling lies. What Romans 1 would call uh, calling evil good. Calling good evil, right? They're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. But they're exchanging the truth in general for a lie and calling it the truth and, dare I say, even believing the lie themselves, propagating it, okay? So he became convinced that the only actual antidote to tyranny was an undying commitment to the truth, right? To live not by lies. And there's an excellent book that I am currently in the middle of reading. I can't believe I haven't finished it yet, but I really need to, um, by Roger Ayer called Live Not by Lies. It's titled after uh, the same thing that um, one of Solzhenitsyn's essays was titled, Live Not by Lies. And this book is just an incredible book. And again, um, it really does go into things like critical race theory and the social justice, uh, even the social gospel, things like that uh, that we see creeping into our uh, country and really having a, a balanced, uh, of course, I speak, um, I'm here in America, of course, but but I'm, you know, I'm primarily talking, I think, to American Christians. And so uh, that's where the primary base of my audience is. And so it's, it's, a, it's a growing concern here. And so I think it's important that I uh, specifically uh, be addressing it, at least from time to time. And so that's where the focus of this book is. But I think kind of the general principles here uh, that uh, Solzhenitsyn sort of uncovered um, are helpful, right, uh, across the spectrum. And so as I was doing uh, research into this, I thought, well, you know, what are some things that the Bible supports when it comes to, you know, living by the truth? And so I took a look at this and was surprised at, uh, at what I found. Now, here's kind of a question for reflection. Why is it important that we commit to believing the truth? I mean, why is that really important? Um, obviously, it seems important that we would need to believe the truth, but there were some really great answers given by some of the guys at our uh, small group study at church where we went ahead through this lesson. Um, one of the ones that really stuck out to me was this idea that what we believe influences directly how we behave. What we believe what we believe influences directly how we behave. Our beliefs direct our behavior, right? And I thought this, that was a, a great point that, frankly, I hadn't even thought of immediately. Like, that is the whole game. What you believe is upstream from what you do. And so if you don't believe true things, then you are going to be doing untrue things, right? You're going to be acting in accordance with what is not true. And of course, this is so evident if you look at our culture today, right? You can just see that people believe in a particular way and it is causing them to behave in a particular way. But, but it's important to understand that it's the belief that affects the behavior and we can separate a person from their behavior, and that's going to be important as we uh, continue through this study here. So 
while it's true that intelligent men have sort of debated the nature of truth for a millennia, I mean, I'm, I'm really into the philosophy and logic stuff. Some of you who listen probably are as well. Uh, there's really nothing more practical than a love for the truth. Let me give you Psalm 40 and verse number four. It says, Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. So, blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust, right? We're not talking mere philosophical speculation here. We're talking practical truth for the everyday believer, okay? This is so important. The Bible is clear that Satan oppresses people through veiling the truth, okay? It's the opposite, okay? Satan, false gods, they they express um, oppress people through the veiling of what is true and good. He's a deceiver, okay? John 8, 44, year of your father, the devil. This is, of course, Jesus talking. In the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. As a matter of fact, I was super um, interested to look through the Bible at these references of, of Satan. And as I looked through it, I was um, somehow, like, I, I knew this, but at the same time, it was shocking to me to sort of rediscover um, how often the Bible um, places falsehood and Satan together. I mean, essentially, this is how Satan oppresses people, is through bearing false witness. Okay, this is this is arguably the thing that we have to be on guard against over and above everything else. We have to be watching out for that. Solzhenitsyn said, let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me. In other words, he understood that maybe he couldn't stop the lies from getting into the world, but he could. He could stop from believing them himself, and he could make sure that he never propagated the lie. Okay, so um, there are ways to live in this world and be cordial and love people without propagating the lies that they tell and the lies that they believe. And we'll talk about that a little bit too as we go forward here. So the only way to combat evil is to saturate the world with truth, right? Um, of course, this is going to happen. Um, every, you know, one day every knee is going to bow to Christ, every tongue is going to confess. Uh, but until then, we still have a job to do. And we're to reach as much of the harvest as possible. And one way that we do that is to combat um, evil with truth, right? We saturate the world with truth. We saturate the world with the gospel. We realize that people don't have a, you know, insert pet sin here uh, problem. They have a sin problem in general. They have a gospel problem. Um, the gospel can take care of it. And so that's our job is to saturate the world with the truth of the gospel. So here are just three things, three reasons that I worked through that I believe every person should commit to believing true things. This is why. Number one is that a commitment to truth is the highest virtue. John 18, 37, this is Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. 
everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now, um, what is the one sin that Jesus cannot forgive? Right, the one sin that Jesus cannot forgive is disbelief, unbelief. Um, if you don't believe on Jesus, he cannot forgive you. He cannot save you, okay? Um, Jesus can't do anything about that, okay? You must believe. That's how it works. And so for that reason, especially since Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, a commitment to truth is the highest virtue, okay? Now, I'm a little uneasy at the way I worded that. I just couldn't really think of a better way to word it. Um, and the reason is because we realize that um, there's no one righteous, right? So it's it's not like we have this virtue of believing on Christ, and that is something that merits our salvation. We realize that that's not how it works, right? Um, that salvation is a free gift given of God. And of course, it depends on your view of soteriology on uh, on how far you want to take this. But without going too deep into the woods uh, on that, I'm just trying to simply make the point that without that commitment to ultimate truth, you can't be forgiven, okay? That's the idea here. Truth is how two things happen, two very important things. It's how we guard against being deceived, and it's also how we guard against deceiving others. You know, we live in a very, very interesting time especially me being in uh, marketing, I think about this a lot. Um, anyone these days has an online platform, everyone. I mean, if you have a Facebook account, you have an online platform and you make noise and you have followers and you have people who like what you have to say or they dislike what you have to say or whatever, but you have people who trust you, who listen to you and who value your opinion. And so if you put just whatever out there, and people are listening to that, and um, you haven't given much thought to what has been said, it can be very, very easy to propagate lies. And this is on both sides of the of the equation. For some reason, Christians are very susceptible to believing lies. I, I don't know why, um, uh, but but we are. You know, we have to be careful to guard against the idea that everything is a conspiracy theory. Okay, and I know I'm. You know, some some things that people call conspiracy theories are just true. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, I'm using the term in a very um, qualified way uh, because it's like you know, some people think that creationism is a conspiracy theory. I'm obviously a creationist, right? So, um, I don't think creationism is a conspiracy theory. Um, that's just one example. Okay, um, but the other end of the spectrum is anything goes. Right? Oh, we'll just believe anything and everything. And then you're like the person tossed about, right? Um, with every wind of false doctrine. Okay? And so that's a extreme that is also unhelpful. Truth is rarely found in the extremes. It's actually, it's really hard work to get to the truth sometimes, isn't it? To actually do the work required to, to get down to what the truth really is. And Still, our position as sons of God really leaves us no alternative but to do that hard work, right? Uh, to love God is to love the truth because he's the God of truth. Psalm 31, 5, right? He is the God of truth. And so it would behoove us to do the hard work necessary to get to the bottom of that and to do um, what we need to do in order to get down to the truth. 
to find the truth, no matter what, no matter how hard it is. We don't need to believe what sounds good. We don't need to believe what even uh, seems right in most cases. We need to really do the hard work of digging through arguments, digging through claims, finding out what people are trying to say, you know, put the therefore in the argument, you know what I mean? And seeing what people are, are, are meaning uh, by what they say and go from there, right? Um, you have to do the work to dig into that stuff or else you are not going to be successful at, uh, at getting to the truth many times. And if that's not a strong enough way of putting it, right, that a commitment to truth is the highest virtue. Think about it this way. The only way to be reconciled to your creator is to believe the truth about Jesus. Just think about that for a minute, how important that is. If you don't believe the truth about Jesus, then you cannot be saved. You cannot be reconciled to your creator, and you will spend eternity separated from God. It's remarkable, in a sense, to think about. That's how important a commitment to the truth is. Secondly here, uh, it's just that Jesus commands that we believe the truth. Okay, here's Jesus, John 8, 32. Um, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So why is it hard for us to believe the truth sometimes, even though Jesus commands it? Right? He not only is the truth, he commands that we believe the truth, the truth of the gospel will make us free. But so why sometimes is it hard to believe the truth? And there were some really great answers to this question that I received as well. You know, a lot of times we the truth hurts. Um, sometimes the truth is inconvenient. Um, sometimes the truth, you know, you're not going to be winning any popularity contests with it. So I actually have three of these uh, wrote down uh, that I think the Bible uh, specifically can help us with. Um, so the first of those is that we must believe the truth even when it's inconvenient. We have the story of the rich young ruler in the Bible. It's Matthew 19, 16 through 29. And this is really an interesting story. Uh, you know, Jesus is conversing with this man, and this man is essentially convinced that he has done what he needed to be do, to, to do in order to be, you know, considered a disciple of Jesus, right? But he's, he's committed to the fact that he loves God with all of his heart. He loves his neighbor as himself. He says he's kept the law. He tells Jesus, he's like, geez, man, like, I, uh, I'm pretty sure that I, I've done all of these things from day one, like since my birth. I, I've never messed up any of this stuff, so what you know, what else do I got to do? And Jesus is like, oh, well, uh, actually, I'm going to need you to go ahead and uh, sell everything you have to the poor, give it all away, and then come follow me. And what Jesus exposed in this man's heart is that the truth was too inconvenient for him. Um, this man didn't truly love his neighbor. He loved his possessions, right? So even though the truth is inconvenient sometimes, we have to come to terms with it. It's not always going to be the result that we'd hoped for. Um, you know, I mean, like, think about denial of something extreme like a cancer diagnosis. Uh, sure, you know, it'd be wonderful if we didn't have that. Uh, but the level of inconvenience that the cancer causes um, has nothing to do with whether or not you truly have it. If you truly have cancer, then you truly need help. And to deny that you have the cancer is to deny the help as well. 
Okay, so sometimes the truth is going to be inconvenient, and that does make it hard to believe, and yet we must believe the truth and come to terms with the truth. That way we can we can pray correctly, we can be helped correctly, we can share with others, um, we can live an honest life. I mean, these are all such important things. The second time is when it's unpopular. It's like I said, um, the truth is not going to win you any popularity contests in many cases because truth is held is subjective, right? What's true for you is not true for me, etc. And that gets people, or at least it, they think it gets them out of uh, believing certain things. But Jesus rejected this. In fact, um, I went looking for a specific passage, and I, I did uh, find one that kind of summarizes it in general. But it was hard to do, because as I looked throughout the Bible, this just really was what characterized his entire testimony, is that, um, is that the truth is to be valued above all else even including tradition. So many people get caught up on tradition and they leave the truth aside in order to keep their tradition. The Bible again says that for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's John 1, 17. Jesus brings truth in the face of tradition, in the face of, well, this is the way that we've always done it, um, in the face of the culture, even when it's unpopular. And then um, probably most somberly here is even when it's deadly. Okay, now there are brothers and sisters around the world today enduring persecution, death, beheading, beating, all kinds of horrible acts in the name of Christ. In other words, they are accepting Christ and being abused and beaten and tortured and killed for it. Jesus' own commitment to the truth led to his death. Each of his disciples died for refusing to denounce the truth. It's amazing. It's something to think about. Are you willing to die for the truth? Am I willing to die for the truth? Like, it's it's incredible to, to think about, especially, you know, in a world where the time we're living in here in the West, I mean, I, I have grown up pretty comfortably as a Christian. And we're just now starting to see some of this soft totalitarianism, as it's called, uh, creeping in, and it's starting to get into the church. And it's only going to get worse as the days go by, I am afraid. Now, I'm, I'm optimistic, I'm hopeful for the future, but still, we have to deal with present reality. And who knows? I mean, maybe one day before my lifetime is over, it will be that. Um, are you willing to die, you know, for the truth? I might have to think about that um, more than I think about it now which is sad and incredible, but something that we have to reflect on. And ultimately, number three here, not only do, um, not only is a commitment to truth the highest virtue, uh, not only does Jesus command that we believe in the truth, but our families also need the truth in love. And this is where it really hits home and really gets hard for a lot of people. Luke fourteen twenty six says this, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, of course the word hate here does not mean literally like a hatred, okay? Um, what is being expressed here is the idea that if you don't value um, Jesus' opinion, Right, If you don't believe Jesus over everyone else, if you don't forsake what anyone else thinks or says or does or whatever um, for Jesus, then you can't be his disciple. The idea is everything and everybody gets left behind. 
no matter how important they are to you. If they are hindering you from advancing the gospel, from being a disciple of Jesus, then Jesus must be more important. Now, to kind of really dig into this point here, another quote by Solzhenitsyn I thought was really cool. says, you never knowingly support lies. Never knowingly support lies. And I feel like I, I want to add to that, including ones held by those you love the most. So the question for reflection here would be, you know, do you find it hard to speak truth to your loved ones? Is that hard for you? You don't want to offend people. You don't want people to dislike you, of course. Um, And that's arguably a pride thing. I know I deal with it, right? Speaking of myself, I certainly deal with it. Um, It's hard to speak truth to loved ones because I don't want loved ones to think less of me. And yet it's so important. The erosion of truth is legitimately what is eroding the Christian home, right? Um, people leave, they walk away, and uh, I've, I've seen stories of, uh, you know, pretty conservative Christian families, and then the the kids grow up, and for whatever reason, uh, they go on to another lifestyle, and then the parents, what they do is they backtrack in their conservatism in, in order to maintain the re- relationship with their child, they change theologically. And I'm not talking about secondary issues type of thing. I mean, I'm saying they change um, dramatically into a sort of progressive Christianity in order to maintain um, the relationship with their family. And that's against what Jesus said. Okay? You don't exchange the truth so that it could be more comfortable for you. You can't do that. What we must do is be more careful and we have to realize that sometimes our families, those we love the most, sometimes they are going to end up rejecting us if we do this. And yet, we can still do this and have a good conscience about it, is understand the difference between love and acceptance. Or another way I like to put it is being versus behavior, okay? Um, There's a difference in who you are, your identity as a person, and what you do, okay? The things that you do, the behaviors that you do. Now, there are... um, there's a lot of different ways you could go with this, of course, in things like the LGBTQ movement and all of that. You definitely have that to an extreme, okay? But but I wonder if some of us haven't bought into it at a different level that we don't even think about, okay? In my opinion, right here is the big lie of popular culture. Your identity is defined by what you do. Your identity is defined by what you do. That's the big lie. Be it your work, be it your lifestyle, be it your behavioral choices, etc. Okay, that's the lie. Is that your identity is defined by what you do? I mean, how often do you meet a new person and, like, in the course of that initial conversation, like, it's the second question. It's like first question is like, what's your name? Second is like, what do you do? And you see how quickly you can buy into the lie of your identity is defined by what you do. Now, I'm, you know, small talk, you know, fine. Okay, I mean, I love what I do. It's hard for me not to be defined by what I do but I'm saying we must guard against it because that's not biblical. The truth is that your identity is solely based on two things, creation and new creation. All persons are valuable because they're created by God in the image of God. And then if you know Christ, your identity is bound to his. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I spoke about um, 
uh, on the blog, I wrote about a, a book that I read called Union with Christ by Rankin Wilborn. And to this day, it's still one of the most impactful books I've ever read. I've actually been thinking about going back and rereading it. And it really talks about this. How when you, um, when you get saved, when you begin a relationship with Christ, you have a union with him. Um, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And that's where your identity is based. We must not buy into the lie of popular culture that your identity is defined by your behavior, okay? Because it's not. It's defined by who you are as a person, okay? So because of that, we can make that distinction. We can unconditionally love our families, and they must know that we love them unconditionally. Families, friends, loved ones. Regardless of their choices, we love them unconditionally because they are a person created by God, and they have the ability to be redeemed by Christ just as you were, okay? But they must also understand the truth, right? They have to understand the consequences of their choices. You have to understand the consequences of your choices. It's a two-way street, okay? It's a two-way street. So with all that said, uh, how do we ensure that we are actually believing true things? How, how do we get this right? In my opinion, there's um, just three simple steps that you can take to ensure that uh, in pretty much anything that you do in life, you know, you ensure that you're believing something true. The first is to ask, then listen. Okay, ask, then listen. Be sure when a new idea comes your way or a new thought or a new, you know, belief, whatever, uh, be sure that you understand it fully. Listen well. Okay, if somebody's telling you, you know, listen, talk. Um, listen to them talk. Ask questions. Dig deeper. Understand the argument. Okay. Then secondly, it's just to evaluate the reasons. Okay, take just a minute and actually think through the reasons that they're saying. What is the therefore that they're saying? Maybe somebody um, has the opinion that they are the happiest in a homosexual relationship, right? They say, well, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a homosexual because that is what makes me happy, okay? I like to be with persons of the same sex. Well, the therefore that they're placing in there is um, happiness is the ultimate virtue, therefore... I am happiest, or actually, it'd be kind of a three-part thing, right? Happiness is the ultimate virtue. I am happiest when I'm engaging in homosexual activity. Therefore, I will engage in homosexual activity. You know, it's something like that. And it's like, well, no, you're missing it, okay? That, that, that conclusion doesn't follow, and even so, happiness is not the ultimate virtue. The ultimate virtue is truth, right? Believing uh, the truth. So when you really begin to evaluate the reasons that people are giving for what they're doing, then you can actually get to the bottom of it and, and sort of help them work through things. And then the third step here is just to make a decision. Whatever you decide, um, commit to it. We don't have to be wishy-washy about things. Okay, now there are some things that are harder to understand than others, and it might take a while to come to a conclusion. I understand that. But on most things, you can go ahead and take a position. You can think about it. It's okay. I'm going to take a position. I have reasoned through it. And these are the re reasons why I believe it. And you could express those reasons to someone else. You know, that is actually a really, really important thing. 
Um, because I, I like to think about it this way. A lot of times, uh, let's, okay, let's use a really benign example, like diet. Okay. I follow a, a, um, keto carnivore diet, really meat-based diet. Okay. And it's really easy to, to, to like, you know, when I'm, when I'm out and about, I'm eating uh, food in a restaurant somewhere, I can do my logical, my justification to get around things. I could say, oh, well, you know, this has so many net carbs or I can eat two peanuts and, you know, be okay. Or like I can make these justifications for things because they would technically fit within some parameters. But at the same time, the commitment that I made beforehand was to eating a meat-based diet and an animal foods-based diet. Okay, that's the commitment I made beforehand when I was thinking clearly about it based on the consequences of my actions. So I must default to that. I already made the decision. I'm just acting on the decision now. Okay, so when you, whenever you try to make the decision again, right, and this is where when you're having that conversation with family, you know what I mean? They're persuasive, right? And it's like, but you've already thought through these things, right? Don't don't go looking for you know a way to change your mind. Be open minded, but don't go looking for any excuse to change your mind, like some people do. Fall back on the decision that you already made based on the research that you've already done, based on your evaluation of the reasons that you've already done, and stick with it. Make a commitment. Don't promote the lie. Never knowingly support lies. Well, that's going to be our show for this week, the Bible Nerd Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. And I'd love to hear your feedback. If you have anything that you would like to say, any questions or any comments, you can always reach out, steve at stevestram.com. I'm happy to hear from you. Meanwhile, I hope you um, decide to stick around, subscribe to the podcast if you have not already so that you can get a new episode each week when they come out. All right, God bless you. You guys take care and we'll see you in the next episode.